Hello everyone, Ian Wishart here with the continuing delight of presenting to you the Take a Pew podcast. Alongside me, as reliable as Planck's constant, is Simon Clark. Hello everybody. Um, sorry Ian, I wasn't really listening. Did you just call me a Planck? Absolutely not, Simon. I was just saying how dependable you are. Anyway, do you remember what I told you about our guest today? Yes, mate. Today we're going to be meeting the Queen of Cathedral Cheddar, Diane Williams, who is apparently rather irreverent. OK, I, I think that's almost entirely, or in fact entirely wrong, mate. We are actually meeting with the Dean of Guildford Cathedral, the very Reverend Diana Williams. Well, I was quite close, wasn't I? Uh, no, you clearly weren't listening during our briefing, which is ironic because Diana was a sound engineer for many years before switching to the vicar trade. Ooh, sounds fun. And very Reverend, eh? That's a first for us. We've had three right reverends, but not a very. Which is best? Well, I don't think it's really a competition, mate. Anyway, as I said, Diana is currently the Dean of Guildford, which I think basically means that she oversees the life and work of the cathedral and its role as the spiritual base of the diocese. Although I'm sure she will explain it much better than that as we get on with the show. So let's do just that. This is the Take a Pew podcast with the very Reverend Diana Williams. Diana Williams. <laughs> indeed on Stag Hill overlooking the glorious Surrey town of Guildford and that's because that is where you will find the Cathedral Church of the Holy Spirit better known as Guildford Cathedral and we are here to meet Cathedral Dean the very Reverend Diana Williams. Diana thank you for having us here and please take, take a, a pew. Thank you. Hello Diana it's great to meet you perhaps you could just introduce yourself to our lovely listeners. Um, my name's Diana Williams, and I'm actually Dean of Guildford, not Dean oh, of Guildford right. Cathedral. Everyone makes that mistake. <laughs> and um, So perhaps more of that later. Yeah. Uh, I'm 66. I've got a husband who's a stonemason, two children and five grandchildren. And I was ordained deacon in 1992 and ordained priest in 1994. And that's my current role as Dean of Guildford. And every diocese has a dean, whether or not it has a, a cathedral, it would still have a dean. Deans work with the bishop to provide ministry across the whole of the diocese and in particular have responsibility for leadership of everything that happens in the cathedral. Right, very good. Well, thank you for setting us straight on that one. Now, we're looking forward to taking the usual Take a Pew journey with you, a sightseeing tour which will take in a look at your experiences so far in this thing we call life, a sneaky peek at some of your favourite things, and the sweeping vista that is your fabulous take-a-pew dinner party. And also your view on a biblical poser in Is It True? The enlightenment that comes from your spiritual pearl of wisdom. And of course, the glorious panorama that will be my random question. Hmm, yes, that is the unfortunate blot on the landscape. But, anyway, let's get going. Diana, where did life start for you? I understand that it was somewhere that smelt of pickled walnuts. Um... I don't know about that. I was born. <laughs> I was oh, born. Just to, a guess. I was born in Colorado, in the United States, nice. <laughs> and I lived there for two years. And then my family moved to California following my father's uh, job, and that's where I spent the majority then of the first twenty years. Wow, that sounds sounds a cool place to live, California. It's yeah. a better place to visit than to live. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> well, we do. A spoiler alert: I do know that you left there, but. Uh, 
when you had the chance, but it sounds very exotic to us. But uh, And to get, help us get a flavour for those early years, uh, we have our first regular feature for you, which is... What were you like at school? Were you a little bit geeky? Or were you a little bit freaky? Or were you a little bit cheeky? What were you like at school? Yes, what were you like at school? Um, what was I like? I, I think I was uh, academically gifted. I was part of a programme in California that um, it was a test to put some year one children into year two after Christmas. Uh-huh. And then they and then the researchers followed us until we were 21. And so I love school. I love absolutely every day of school. And um, so I think I was just like everyone else. (laughs) Did you have a good gang of friends? Yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah. High school, I had a great, great gang of friends. And um, that's always part of it, isn't it? In school, do we ever have a great gang of friends? um, Always well behaved. Did you ever get into any trouble at all? No, we never did. No, we were very good. And um, uh, we didn't get in any trouble at all, unfortunately. (laughs) Lots of people did. Our high schools are are huge in California. So there was a thousand in each year. So um, they're much more regulated when you've got that many people on one site. A thousand in each year? In each year. My goodness. So, yes. And outside school, what was the family unit like? Uh, my family, I've got two younger brothers and a mum and dad. And um, I think that probably outside school, most of it was spent with friends, really. I hung around with uh, my closest friends were uh, Irish and Italian-Americans. They were all mm-hmm. Roman Catholics. And oh. the church figured very largely in their lives and therefore in everybody's lives um, of children. That's how I came to faith. Within Roman Catholic Church? Yes. Oh, okay. That's interesting. And was that was it a Christian family that you, you'd grown no, up in? Anyway? No, 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 I didn't. It was, so I you think, were blazing a trail? Well, not really. I think they were, uh, my mother certainly was, um, she was a nominal Anglican and would go to church at Christmas and Easter and right, so on. Yeah. And I was confirmed when I was 14 and I, I remember that, but it was not long after that that actually the claims of Christ was something that I wanted to look at for myself. And that was from within the Roman Catholic tradition. Okay. What about hobbies and interests? You talked about hanging out with your friends. The biggest thing that we did was um, we were all petrol heads. And um, the... In the United States, you learn to drive in school. It's one of the lessons, just ordinary, you know, period four is, is driving. And um, so your, your probation, what's it called? Provisional license yeah. is 15 and a half. And then you, you take your test at 16. Okay. So but it was all about being petrol heads, building and racing cars. Oh, wow. So do you need mechanics as part of that? Actually? Yes. Stripping things down? And, yes, yes. Yeah, wow. Yeah. No, no, we got a number of awards. They were very fast. Wow. wow. <laughs> We're a very fast pit team. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Oh, oh, very interesting. Well, um, and I think we'll, we'll find out that you went to uh, went on to college after university after mm-hmm. school. But just before we do that, we have our next regular feature, another question for you, which is... What's your fondest childhood memory? What's your fondest, what's your fondest of all your childhood memories? What's your best? What's your best? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Golly, we've got to pick just one. Yes. Yeah. There's one. I bet there's one that just comes straight yeah. to mind. If you don't but the one that did, no, the one I didn't think about too much, it did come straight to mind, is that um, having two weeks of vacation with my grandmother, my father's mother, in Colorado. And that was something that I looked forward to from the minute 
we came home uh, until the next summer. So that was a very fond childhood. What was so special about that? Was it just spending time? Or it, was, it, it, it was spending time with her, but it was yeah. also being in Colorado. So the landscape for that, I've always found very life-giving and just a different pace, I think. Uh, but it's probably was being with her. Yeah. Yeah. So were there other, when you said there's how to choose one, or other things that come to mind? The, well, the other things that come to mind is the stuff that had to do with being a petrol head. Right. Uh, yeah. So Same it had to do general. with racing and building, and yeah. um, we built and raced Formula V cars, right. VS5. You know, yes. Yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so there's a lot of that involved in that. Yeah, wow. So is there any particular moment that you, you think back on? It? I, it was all just big and good just great joy throughout <laughs> what a Fantastic. joyful yeah, a joyful youth it, it's wonderful but uh, well anyway as I said you did go on to uh, University of California I did I think and yeah. studied something quite geeky I think it, was, it probably was geeky yeah. yes I, yes I, I went up to um, read maths which is what I loved I've loved since I was a, a little girl and it was taught so badly I was I was in tears. It never occurred to me anybody could teach maths badly. And um, because I was on this program and being monitored and things, I had slightly more leeway in terms of the total amount of lessons I could do. And I happened to be wandering past. You could go into any classes. Your first year is a four-year degree course. Your first year is general studies. So you do lots and lots of things. You don't specialize until your second, third, and fourth year. And I wandered past a physics lesson. And it was an absolute amazing thing. It was you know, <laughs> physics, the beginning of physics. But on the board, the teacher was talking about torque, which I knew about because I invented torsion bar suspension. And he put an equation up that showed what torque was in real life. And I just could, I thought that's for me. So I went to see whether I could change from reading math to physics. And the trouble was... I had never done physics at school, so that was a bit of a difficulty. And um, I also was doing a minor in chemistry, and I wanted to change that to two two majors, as it were. But I was told if I did essentially the equivalent of A-level between September and December, I could swap to reading physics in January, and then I could keep chemistry as a double honours. So I did physics and chemistry, two separates as, as honours. But physics wow. was the answer to everything. <laughs> physics was great. I, I know very little about it. The, the I little I know about physics is having watched the film Oppenheimer a couple of weeks ago. That's, oh, right. that's, about, that's the closest I've come to, uh, physics. to physics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I did A-level physics, but then I went on to do biology afterwards. I did like physics. We had a great teacher, brilliant teacher. It makes all the difference yeah it? really really good Makes teacher that brought it to life yeah, yeah. it was fantastic yeah. so no I, yeah. I just loved physics and chemistry yeah that's wonderful so you came swanning out of university mm. what happened next on life's journey i don't think i did <laughs> <laughs> you've met me and i'm not built to swan um the we were all of us together it was a wonderful time to come to faith in the early 70s in california it was the very beginning of the mega church movement oh. calvary chapel was the first one that's where we were we went to calvary chapel in the evening and we'd um that was much later and then sensibly the roman catholic mass was at 5 15 because by on sunday because by then teenagers are awake <laughs> genius so we went to we went to mass at 5 15 that finished at seven and then we went over to calvary chapel at 7 30 for you know music and worship songs and bible study and things like that and i was really privileged to be able to be a part of the very very earliest maranatha music when christian music was beginning and offering as an engineer I'd never in front of the 
audience. And so I had been doing that through going through university in the last year of high school and so on. And that was helpful doing physics because then I focused yeah, on acoustics cool. yeah, yeah, and yeah. did sound engineering. And then uh, finished university and, but just prior to that, probably a week prior to that, I had a vision and it was, I mean, a hallucination, a proper vision. And in that, I believe that God was saying that he would send me to England, which, of course, I didn't know where it was. I knew where it was. <laughs> I'm American. After so we're Colorado, presumably. <laughs> and it, that was very, very bizarre. And then I decided that I needed to take it really seriously because it was a proper vision. I shared it with one Christian friend who I trusted. And then three days later just before I was going to college for my final exam, uh, I got a phone call from a fella that had brought his band over to California some weeks before, and they'd borrowed our kit, and we'd done some stuff together and so on. And he said, there's a Christian musical that's that's starting on tour on Sunday. This was Wednesday. On Sunday, and our sound engineers just dropped out. Can you come? And so one part of me said... You know, I wanted to throw myself on my knees and ask God what to do, but I'm not that stupid. And um, so I said yes, and that was Wednesday, and on Sunday I was in London. Wow, goodness wow. me. <laughs> so where did you stay in London when you when you came to London? We were on tour immediately. So yeah. I heard the show on the Sunday night at um, Methodist Central Hall, and then Monday the tech crew left to go up to Aberdeen, which is where we were starting and we needed to stop off in Lincoln to get some stuff. Then we went straight up to Aberdeen so that we were there when the yeah. cast arrived. Okay. And then for six months, we're traveling in England. Goodness me. And you, you kept doing So rather than toddling off and getting ordained at some point, which would have been difficult then, I suppose, <laughs> in the Church of England, wouldn't it? Um, you spent quite a lot of time pursuing that particular vocation. I did. Once the, once the children came along, I stopped doing live work because okay. you, it, you, know, you have a um, nocturnal existence where you... Mm. You don't start work to 10 at night, you finish at 3 in the morning. Mm. And so I um, went freelance designing sound systems for new and refurbished buildings because I could do that at home. And my um, my son, he was quite happy to go on site in a little hard hat and a baby carrier. But then I had his sister, and she's normal. <laughs> that was not going to work. So anyway, we adapted to those things. Yeah. How did you find, did you manage to get along to churches as you were traveling around this was this was a christian musical so um, so you felt like yeah. you were at church anyway we were at church every way because every <laughs> yes. night it was, um, right um it was led by a wonderful woman called jean darnell and um the prior they they were just before the fountain trust and all of that um she was from foursquare and so yes everybody there was a, a always proper stuff an altar call every night and, oh, we, and we played in oh, major okay. places okay. um yeah. and there was a local cast that had been practicing the the backing music, as it were, and then we took the front of house cast and all the technical things. So, you no, know, we did. She'd had a wonderful vision that God had showed her flames of fire on different cities in Britain and uh, essentially shared that and got support and it, it was actually amazing. And so yeah. we went to those places where the flames of fire had landed. Uh -huh. And how was it know. received? Was it... Oh, really? The well, they're packed. We played the um, Royal Albert Hall. That's where oh, we finished. Wow. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, Usher Hall in Birmingham, in, in yeah. Edinburgh. Um, all the major Justice. places, huge, huge, 3,000 people in a tent on um, 
Jesus College, uh, Jesus Common in Cambridge, and then at Dale Abbey outdoors. I don't know how many people there were. There must have been ten or twelve thousand people um, in Derby. So quite a big gig, then. Yeah, it was very big. <laughs> it was a very big. Gig. You'll have to you have to explain to me uh, later on, perhaps uh, after we finish, that how you get the sound to come out at the same time, depending how to, <laughs> no matter how far you are away from the stage. I've never known how people do that. It's incredible. It's very, very clever. We did it without computers as really? well. Really? Yeah. Of course yeah. we did. Oh, yes, this is when dinosaurs were on the earth. <laughs> so, um, so that was late 70s, but by the time we get to the sort of early 90s, mm -hmm. you've uh, started following uh, the ordination mm -hmm. path. How did that come about? I don't really know, Ian. I... Uh, I was, I remember where I was standing in the doorway of my living room and it came over me like a sneeze that God was asking me to do something else, which I remonstrated with the Almighty about because I was jolly busy and a very active lay person in church as we all are and so on. Uh, but then pranged in my head about ordination, where well, I was a very, very low Anglican church, where the difference between priests and deacons wasn't, no, you know, just wasn't. And so I talked to my vicar about it, and he explained women couldn't be ordained priests, but they could be ordained deacon, because this was 87, so it's just it happened, they'd be ordained deacon. And so went through that process and was ordained deacon in 92. And then actually, the then ordained as a priest I think in '94 was yes, it? We yeah, the first women. which was the first mm -hmm. time, wasn't it? I mean, great! How great to be part of that event. It must have been, must have felt yes. even more special than. It, it feels more special as I look back. At the time, it was just I was just doing what I was supposed to do. Yeah, just being obedient. Yeah, is it? Because I did wonder about because there were there are other denominations, obviously, where mm. you could have been ordained mm. prior to that. I suppose that was never a, a question. Oh no 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 not not uh, when when I came to Britain, the Roman Catholic priest uh, in the United States at our church he he was very helpful in discerning and helped me discern the fact that because of two things one um, my love of scripture which I got from him, and then also some of the polity of the Roman Catholic Church that my future was not as a disciple was not going to live within that tradition, and then that was a week. Before I came here, uh, the witness organized with Jean Darnell, essentially people from all faith, all Christian traditions. And then it was sent out from St. Mark's Kennington, which is an uh, Anglican church at the Oval in London. Mm. And so it, that was a kind of spiritual home from where we were set out and prayer support and so on. And so then when, when the six months were over and I knew I should stay in England, I started to worship there. Yes. So, so yeah, firmly the Church, Church of England by that time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And nothing wrong with that, might I add. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so there then ensued a period of curacies and mm -hmm. assistant curacies and so and yeah. largely in London, I think, was it? Yes, yeah. Southwark Diocese, south yeah. of the river. The uh, God's own diocese. <laughs> uh, which I still say that. Yes. So <laughs> I, I had uh, yeah, I had two wonderful curacies in those days. Right. There were two available. So that was terrific. I was a curate at one church, a church in Peckham, where the where we, where, what we grew up. We spent 22 years there for the children grew up, and, and then um, did my second curacy at the at one of the next door churches, still in southeast London. And then uh, the vicar left, and the role was vacant. And I had never applied for a job ever because I'm a self-employed sound engineer. So I thought it would be good practice, 
and I knew that the candidates would get driven around the parish in a minibus and that whoever got the job would be my boss. <laughs> so I thought, well, I'll apply. <laughs> uh, and anyway, so I was shortlisted and interviewed and, and, um, and got the job, much yeah, to my yeah. surprise. <laughs> How did you found the, sort of the transition from being so very scientifically based, mm-hmm. sound engineer, physics, numbers, to then standing up in front of mm-hmm. congregations, studying mm-hmm. scripture and, and really getting into that sort of literary side of things? Was this just a natural transition for you? No, the scripture came before. It was a wonderful time in the denominations in the United States, the beginning of the Casio movement, the charismatic renewal in both the Anglican and the Roman Catholic Church. Huge masses at the Rose Bowl, Pasadena, 100,000 young people. And so that love that of scripture, yeah. that, that was there already. When I went to train for ordination, that was the biggest not surprised, but I had to work at it because for physics, you start at A and you go into Z and it might take decades and decades and decades and there's blips along the way. Um, but with theology, everybody starts at the same place and then everybody goes, hmm? You know, and I just, show me the equation. And so that was, but it was really, really uh, wonderful to be able to do something that was a completely different discipline. And then many years later, I did my master's at King's College London in um youth ministry and theological education and that was very social science based and so was a, there was a lot of reading to yeah. do and uh no but I, I i appreciated that yeah i yeah i liked it i don't know anything <laughs> but i liked it <laughs> so after a, after quite a few years in and around various places in london you were then called to the glorious surrey um to become the dean of guildford yes thank you <laughs> yay yes, yes which is actually what i've got written down here i don't know why it's i say cathedral oh, earlier <laughs> everyone so, does i know so well, well i've learned something today but um and again that was a we talked about 94 and the first tranche of women mm-hmm. being ordained i mean that mm-hmm. was there weren't too many female deans i guess at that point i think at that point uh, because people have moved and retired and so on. But I think at that time I was the seventh out of 42. So there's always been a, well, not always, Diana, because we weren't ordained until 94. But <laughs> currently there is a higher percentage of women who are deans than our diocese and bishops, for example. Oh. So there's about 20% of us. So I wasn't the first woman dean by any, no, any no. stretch, yeah. But it's still relatively pioneering. Probably, yeah. yeah. I can say that. You, yeah. would, you wouldn't say that, like but that. I, can, no. I can say that. And that was um, actually about, ten, well, 10 years ago. Yes, yes. And obviously you're just coming up to finishing off that role next yeah. month. Yeah, that's, that's we, right. As we record. That's right. That'll be uh, entertaining. We'll come back to that in, in due course. But So what we touched on what a dean sort of does. So how, mm. how would you typify the day-to-day activity of a dean? Golly. Well, you're going to say all sorts of things, aren't you? But well, <laughs> yeah, well... Is yes, I've said this about all my jobs, but it's the best job in the world. The, the variety is a he, huge blessing, and um, one of the factors of being a dean is whereby in a parish there's a, a, a nexus of leadership and management that the vicar has to do some management and some leadership and a bit of both, and there's people to help with the management. But the way the cathedral governance is, all cathedrals by statute have got a chief operating officer and who is responsible for the lay staff and all that management. So for a dean, it's more heavily weighted on the leadership, which is about ethos and culture and so on. And there is a, and because of wonderful colleagues, there is almost built in an expect, well, no, there isn't. There is built in an expectation that there's enough of a helicopter view 
that's built into each day and week. So that's in terms of the diocese, the geographical diocese. For our setting, we're almost entirely the county of Surrey. So there's also that civic focus. And within the within the geographical diocese, you know, 1.3 million people living in Surrey, there's our parishes with their schools and all the other things that go on, charities and so on. And being able to always be attuned to how can we bring value to what's already going on and seeking to extend God's kingdom because most of the stuff that's happening it's not from happening from us it's happening all around mm -hmm. and that's a huge privilege to be able to do that and that is very very varied gosh you're going to I don't leap ahead too much but you're going to miss all that aren't you I will yes <laughs> yes uh, yes I'm keeping on some of it I'm a deputy lieutenant in Surrey mm -hmm. and um, yeah. uh, one commits to that until 75. So oh, I will yeah. have a little bit more time to give to serving Surrey in that way. And of course, it's been an, an interesting 10 years for Guildford Cathedral, hasn't it? I mean, yes. you, I guess you, there's been a big restoration project in that time. Well, or, there's been a fixing mm. project in that time. It is considerably easier to spend seven million than to raise it. <laughs> <laughs> so much easier. And my wonderful colleagues is starting just before I came uh, we together we raised seven million pounds, which was able to do some work much needed to the interior of the building. Uh, poor decision was made in the seventies. Oh no, no, sixties probably to spray some plaster on the ceiling, and um, that plaster had asbestos in it. All plaster did, oh, yeah. and so was quite right. We took it off, and yeah. while we had all that scaffolding in, two hundred fifty thousand tons of it. Uh, we did everything else at high level because no one's going to do that again. So we were able to revamp the sound system, the lighting and the wiring and all that kind of thing too while we were there and then restore it to the way the architect intended it. Did you, did you, get, did you meddle in the sound system? Naturally. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't meddle in the sound system. We were very fortunate. The Tonmeister, the University of Surrey, which trains um, sound engineers, and it's one of the finest places in the world to train, uh, engineers, the Tonmeister, some students, they did the acoustic modeling for us, so how it would be once we'd taken off the plaster. Um, and the building was built to have a voice of its own, which is why there's no speakers in there now. Um, so the building speaks, it's got point sources. And there was no electricity in it, he didn't put any in, the architect didn't. And so we were able to model that thanks to the Tonmeister. And so, I, no, I didn't meddle. I took a keen interest <laughs> a keen in interest. A keen interest. <laughs> did you review the modelling and scrutinise it? <laughs> I did it. some of my own modelling did side you? by side. Yes, yes. <laughs> Using slide rules. But there we are. <laughs> They're fantastic colleagues Great. at the University yeah. of Surrey. So it's been, it's been quite a, a journey, I guess, for the last... 10 years overall yes it's been that that bit of it was really quite concentrated in yes. just under two years that was a lot have all that scaffolding yeah. and so on and how did uh, how did lockdown impact everything because particularly we're looking at across a whole county and suddenly not being able to get out and about that must have been quite difficult it, it, it was but as again it was for everyone obviously but that's mm. right but for us as as colleagues uh, fellow clergy we um because we're not a parish Many cathedrals have a parish, a geographical parish. We haven't. So the the regular people we have, we know who they are because they're in the congregations. So we could divide up and make sure we all kept in touch with each mm. other. And our musicians and us as clergy rose to the challenge of being able to produce online worship. So we we did that really well, I think. And then eventually we could do 
everybody discovered Zoom and stuff. So yes. online advent groups and Lent groups and that, you know, it which was, everybody else did. It was a great catalyst for um, innovation and creativity, wasn't mm. it? And there's no going back, yes. is there? Yeah, no. yeah. I can remember suddenly in our place we went, and Dave actually was recording us today, is, uh, looks after the, the sound and the AV, basically, mm. in our parish. And um, I remember we were sitting around debating when we could stream services, and mm. it was all kind of, well, you know, two or three years, you know, give it a bit longer, and then all of a sudden it's like, right, next week. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly yeah. what it was like. So we like. just got on with it. Yeah. Yes, we did, absolutely. They, everyone learnt to film in landscape. It was one yes. wonderful time, <laughs> wonderful time. No, it's very good. So that's obviously keeps you. You mentioned the deputy lieutenant role. I think mm. you're school governor still, are you? No, I I was I was school governor for about forty years. But yeah. when I came here, I didn't have time for that. So oh, I joined okay. a multi academy trust, our diocesan right. one, as a trustee. Yes. And I think eight nine years. But I've I've concluded that now, and okay. I serve as chair of the trustee. But education so. obviously is a huge passion. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And then, are you still involved with Homestart? Yes, project, I'm a patron of Homestart. Yes, yes Homestart Guildford. Yes, it yes, is, yes. absolutely. All donations welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I saw that. I so the I very, very good. We'll, we'll plug that. Yeah, definitely. we will. Definitely. Yeah. So, uh, so plenty, to, plenty to keep you going, but... Um, when you do get oh, I am a school governor. I forgot. Yes, I'm a school yeah. governor at Charterhouse. Oh, Charterhouse. And at Epsom oh, wow. College. Okay, apart I from that. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, apart from minor details. Apart from those two major <laughs> education establishments. Yes, both wonderful schools. It's a yeah, privilege yeah, to absolutely. serve. My first foray into being a governor of an independent school. This is always yeah. in the state yeah. sector beforehand. Yeah. So it's good learning for me too. Well, lots to keep you busy then. But when you do get some spare time, how do you like to spend it? Doing podcasts, obviously. Apart, apart from <laughs> doing podcasts. You're still, I, still I, fiddling about with motor cars? No, <laughs> I'm not fiddling about oh. with motor cars. They're too boring nowadays. Yeah, um, they are, aren't they? Yeah. They are just boring. And um, uh, no, I love gardening, so I do lots of gardening. And uh, laterally, God has granted me five grandchildren. And so fair oh. time spent with them is yes. a huge Lovely. blessing. Yeah. Are, they, are they all fairly local? Yes, they are. Oh, well, yes, even better. Are. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. It's very, very nice. Well, I'm pleased at that stage to report that I've had news that the kitchen are very nearly ready mm. to serve up some sumptuous fare for our dinner party. <laughs> and that means that it's time to squeeze in a little game of My Favourite Things. <laughs> Yes, this is a very simple game, Diana. We give you a series of categories, and all you have to do is tell us your favourite thing in each. Yes, as easy as pie. And our first category is always your favourite book of the Bible. Oh, favourite book of the Bible? Blimey. Um, you have read the Bible, I take it. Yes, <laughs> I have. Yes, yes. That's a good start. It's a library. Um, my favourite book will be Job. Oh, that's my favourite book of the Bible. It's where I turn to Job for um, the wonderful creation stories and the poetry. I love the fact that it never has a finish. It doesn't finish. Job never figures out. It, nobody ever tells him the conversation that happened beforehand. Um, but it's that it's the wonderful creation passages in Job, which are, um, yeah, they're terrific. I, I love those. The stars, the chaos, the galaxies, um, all of that. So My favourite book as well, of course. It as is we know. your favourite book. It is indeed. And we've had it a couple of times, haven't we? Is this well, one? yeah, once or twice. Yeah. So it's not, it's not just 42 chapters of misery then? 
No, not no. at all. No, okay. No, not at all. Oh, it's fabulous. Okay. <laughs> it's fabulous. That's excellent choice. Okay. <laughs> now, Diana, we're here today on Stag Hill, of which I'm sure you're very fond. But other than here, what's your favourite hill? Yes. Favourite, favourite, favourite hill. Obvious Ooh. question, I know. It yes. is a, yes, yeah, it's an obvious question, question. I ought to be able to answer it, shouldn't I? My favourite <laughs> hill. Oh golly. Can I have a can I have a, a thing like can I have the South Downs or Yes. Do oh yes. fine. Yes. I'll take that. Take the South Downs. I'll take the South Downs. Good South choice. Down. Very good choice. That's a series of hills. Yes, yes a series of hills. Yeah. I'll have yes. a series of hills, that's right. <laughs> okay, so our third category is always a top five. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been this season doing top five films, but you tipped us off in advance that you can't remember any films whatsoever. So we're not gonna ask you that. So we'd like to know <laughs> your top five pieces of music. Well, I have. I I don't know why. Um, I just this is the five. Yeah. Uh, Send in the clowns. Ooh. I forgot who wrote it. Me and Ian. Yeah, <laughs> reminded you of that. <laughs> That's why I came to mind. <laughs> Immediately came to mind the first one. I'm not saying why it came to mind. <laughs> Send in the clowns. Um, Farewell to Stromness. Uh, Barbara's Adagio oh, for Strings. Oh, oh, fabulous. Peter Maxwell Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, Field of Gold by Sting. Oh, and Hotel California by the Eagles. Brilliant. What a, what a great... Was that five? Or was no, that four or five? five. five. Barbara's Adagio for Strings may have got lost when you were trying to think of Farewell Oh, uh, right. Oh. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. Gosh, what a, what a wow, wonderful that's... selection. You could quite happily pass the time listening to that, couldn't you? You could, you could take that, yeah. Now, our penultimate category is in fact itself a series of categories, what we call the Great Eight, so eight quickfire categories approved by the British Medical Council for use in professional psychometric testing. <laughs> I don't believe you. It's true, it's, <laughs> it's absolutely, absolutely not true. necessarily <laughs> true. <laughs> we must admit. It's, yeah, so here we go, eight quickfire categories, um, starting with your favourite author. I know this. I know this. My favourite <laughs> author, I'm going to say Agatha Christie. Oh, excellent. Favourite type of food? Ooh. Uh, British. Okay, anything, anything? What do you think of when you roast think of British or? food? Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. Oh, roast. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Nice roast dinner. Nice roast. Yeah. Okay. okay, fine. All right, your favourite television programme? Of all time? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness me. Did you, did you warn me about this? Because I don't remember getting this memo. <laughs> no, no. Um, a favourite television programme of all time. Golly, it'll be something like Downton Abbey or one of those that, you know, Call the Midwife. No, I want Call the Midwife. Call the Midwife. That's, that's it. That's a great choice. Yeah. I want Call the Midwife. Yeah, you can have that. Yes. Excellent. Favourite sport? Basketball. Oh, quick answer. Your favourite band or musical artist? Obviously had a couple in the list. Oh, but. man. Uh, I, I don't really but what I'm more likely to play is uh, the Eagles that's oh, they're a marvellous choice favourite holiday destination oh somewhere in the UK uh, yes um, we there is one place that we really enjoy going to which is in the Cairngorms called Newton Moor a little place called Newton mm. the Cairngorms and that's that's wonderful fantastic Newton Moor hi mm. uh, right your favourite chocolate bar it would be uh, a dark chocolate bar. I can't think anyone who makes a dark chocolate bar. There's little green and black ones. Yeah, yes. dark, dark chocolate. 100% cocoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that should probably kill you. 
Okay, your favourite board game? Scrabble. Oh, good very quick answer. Yes, that's that's good. good. Well, that was that was the great eight, and we, we I think probably the quickest yeah, we've yeah. done the great. Yeah, eight. That's really? very good. Yeah, very good. Very good. <laughs> and our final category in my favourite things is always multiple choice. <laughs> I'll give you three possible answers, so, so don't worry. With your former profession in sound engineering, you've obviously used a lot of microphones, mm-hmm. so we'd like to know your favourite mic. Now, three possible answers: <laughs> acting icon Michael Caine, art icon. Michelangelo <laughs> or fashion icon Mike Cardigan oh Mike Cardigan yeah yeah absolutely do you really yeah. like it seriously I yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah okay yeah I'm gonna go for that good I wore it specially <laughs> just for that one comment you can take it off now and it's very one warm morning. it's a very warm <laughs> day <laughs> so Mike, Michael Caine no misses out to Mike uh, Mike, mm. Michelangelo did some good stuff didn't he yeah. he did a lot of stuff yes he was very very clever yeah. You might also have had a very nice cardigan, you never know. Very possible. I don't know when cardigans were invented. That's a good question. We'll find that out. Can you find that out? Yeah. Can you research that later on? uh, Well, some truly life-affirming revelations there once again in my favourite things. And all that hard work was worth the effort because... It's the fabulous take a butte dinner party. The miraculous take a butte dinner party. The food is quite irrelevant and some of the guests are hot. It's the impractical, fantastical take a butte dinner party. <clears throat> <laughs> yes, Diana, it's time for your fabulous take a pew dinner party. A quick reminder of the rules. Obviously, you can have all of your family and friends at the party, but there remain four empty chairs for you to fill. Yes, and to do that, you have to select one person from any time in history, dead or alive, a cartoon character, and a non-domesticated animal. And then on the final chair, we find a gramophone player, which will play the single piece of music of your choice throughout the dinner. So, Diana, your first choice, the one person from the whole of history that you would choose to join you for dinner. And remember, it can't be anyone who appears in the Bible or any of your family. No, this is neither. Uh, It's a lady called Anne Sullivan, and she was Helen Keller's teacher. Um, Helen Keller was deafblind in the late 19th century, and uh, Anne Sullivan was also partially sighted. And it was the first biography I read probably if I was eight or nine, um, and I was just mesmerized by the, I read the biography of Anne Sullivan, uh, how she taught Helen Keller, and then she's quite famous in the United States, I don't know about here, but, um, and I would love to, to speak with Anne Sullivan about that. Wow, that's right. I haven't, I haven't come across no, her, I but I know my wife has learnt a lot of sign language mm. just because she wanted to, mm. and so and I know she she's huge admiration for Helen Keller, so she's probably come mm. across Anne Sullivan. Richard Anne Sullivan yeah. was her teacher. Yeah. Wonderful, oh, sounds wonderful. like a mm. great vocation. Going back yeah. to how good teachers are, isn't it? Yes, that's very good. But um, okay, so that's that's the yes. actual person, and mm. joining Ms. Sullivan, mm. a cartoon character. I would love to have Lucy from Peanuts. I love Peanuts Um, Lucy is a professional big sister and um, as am I and she I just always always love Lucy since I was a little tiny girl so I would love to have Lucy from Peanuts that's a great an obvious choice really we haven't had any characters from Peanuts Um, and then we have the non-domesticated animal Mm. I have gone for a Canada goose Um, they're beautiful animals and they 
there's a particular time of the year in the autumn is different from the United States uh, and they fly together and they fly in formation and when the first one gets tired she or he dropped to the back and another one takes over and I think this is they're, they're beautiful animals and the way they communicate with each other and they can fly so that would be yeah. it. Now, I will have to speak to the kitchen because we don't want to serve oh, goose, no. do we? No, absolutely no, not. That would be, no uh, that would be that bad. Be, yeah, we'd, we wouldn't really want that. Um, it, also, it could be a little bit messy, is my only concern. Well, that is, well, Canada geese are not as messy as the geese that get in the way of all our other waterways here. Oh, okay. So that's, yeah. Do they make a lot of noise? Do they, do they honk to They honk another. a lot. Yeah. But, they, yeah. but it's a direction. So, okay. thing, yeah. so it'd be a good conversation, wouldn't it, I suppose? Yeah. They'd, yeah. they'd, 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 they'd contribute. They could honk along. <laughs> they could honk along, yeah. I've yeah. just come back from Canada, actually. And uh, yeah. Did you see lots of geese? I did, yeah. yeah. Wonderful creatures, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well done. Love them. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great assembled yeah. company there, and we just then have one single piece of music to play repeatedly throughout the dinner. Now we've had your five favourite pieces of music, it may well be one of those to repeat, or it could be something else. I think I would choose Farewell to Stromness because um, it it bears repeating, mm. it repeats mm. itself in the composition in any case, it doesn't the ones that have got words, that's just too complicated because people want to listen to the words so I think I, I could easily not irritate people by playing Farewell to Stromness yes. the entire time be a good solid background music wouldn't yeah. it well I, I hope that you get to enjoy such a fine gathering before <laughs> too long I'm sure you will and talking of the future and before we get to the rather more intellectual and dare I say spiritual part of the show it's time for us to ask you 12 years from now what would you like to be doing or would it mainly be the same or would you rather be canoeing for example? Yes, just an example. <laughs> yes, Diana, obviously a significant change coming up for you very soon. But looking further out, what would you like us to be talking about if we were having this conversation with you 12 years from now? Oh, well, I hope I'm still alive, as <laughs> number one. Yeah, I think we'll take that as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, so let's assume <laughs> that that's right. Um, 12 years from now, it's quite nice thinking about that, because it, uh, my eldest would be on the way to university 12 years from now. Mm. Uh, my eldest grandchild, grandchild. grandchild um, yeah. 12 years from now, and that would be uh, lovely. The I'm very interested to see how my vocational journey, my vocation as a baptized person, and continues to unfold. So I don't know what bit that would take, but I would, I would hope that in 12 years I could look back and just see how God continued to guide me as God's guided me uh, so far in very odd ways. <laughs> and I'm assuming that some of that's going to be equally odd. And so I would like to be able to look back and know that I've been of some assistance to my family and my community, wherever that is. And who knows is the answer. <laughs> okay. Who knows? Well, still still plenty you. to play for. Yeah. So you may have another another vision involving yes. Egypt do. or something. I, I, yeah. I, I could do, yes. I've not <laughs> had knows? one since. How bizarre it would be if that actually happened now, wouldn't it? That would be very bizarre, Ian. That would confirm my prophetic anointing. Very good. Well, we wish you every blessing wherever life and the Lord may take you, Diane. Indeed we do. 
And we look forward to very shortly hearing your spiritual pearl of wisdom. But just before that, we'd be very grateful if you could spare a couple of minutes helping us with another Bible-related dilemma in the little part of the show that we like to call... Is it true? Is it true? Is it true? Is it true? Yes, is it true? Don't look so worried. (laughs) Anyway, this time our attention has been caught by the famous story of Joshua and the Battle of Jericho, as recorded in the Bible in the book of Joshua chapter 6. And there we find the perhaps familiar tale of the Israelites in their first major skirmish since re-entering the Promised Land, seeking to capture the walled city of Jericho. And of course we read how Joshua and his people marched around the city walls for six days and seven times on the seventh day, after which the priest blew the horns, the people shouted, and the walls, as the song says, came tumbling down. Now, this gave us some pause for thought, because it does seem odd that the blast of a trumpet could cause such obviously mighty fortifications to collapse. And then our minds turned to the mysterious manner that God had provided it for the Israelites in their journey through the wilderness leading up to the events at Jericho. Now, no one seems to be quite sure what manna was, but we think we found a clue because nowadays manna is the name given to the sticky, syrupy sap of certain trees in the Middle East. That is true. This is consistent with the Bible description of manna being sweet like honey. And accordingly, it clearly would have been very flammable. And it doesn't take much to connect the dots and deduce that the Israelites could have dried out loads of manna over 40 years, leaving them with, in effect, a large store of gunpowder. So, of course, when they get to Jericho, they simply walked around the city, laying down their high explosive, eventually blew their trumpets as a kind of keep clear warning, ignited the manna and blew the walls to pieces. And that seems to us a very credible explanation of what happened at Jericho three and a half thousand years ago. But... Dean Diana Williams. Is it true? 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 No. (laughs) Okay, thanks. Thank you. (laughs) It's very creative, um, but it can't possibly be. It's unbelievably creative. Yes, it is, but it can't possibly be true. (laughs) No, that's a shame because there were things like. Because gunpowder was always uh, held in powder horns. That's what they call the things they yes. keep gunpowder in. Yes. So those horns might not have been the ceremonial horns, mm. the shofar, I think they were called. Yes. They might have been the powder horns. And so maybe they blew them to say they're all empty, so we can blow it up now. But you don't think so, no? I don't think so. I think no. that for one thing, Moses said to them not to gather any more than they needed for the yes. day. Yeah, and yeah, when they gather a little bit them. more, all the worms ate up their insides. Yes. Um, okay. And <laughs> the word man means what is it yes. so it's oh. that what is it they couldn't have carted it around that no. that much mm. um well they, they might have called it what is it because if it were like gunpowder gun wasn't invented till the ninth century true, so yes, they wouldn't have, yes, they'd have had no have idea what it was <laughs> of course they would have said what they is were it? eating gunpowder <laughs> <laughs> is there any from a chemistry point of view is there any credence in you know the sweet like sort of dewy sap type stuff being flammable really yeah i think it would be wouldn't you think it would be? well it depends yeah. how aromatic it is yes it? that's yeah. true yes yeah. i think mm. it is. so it could be sweet without being aromatic yes yeah so i don't know having never experienced said sap Yes. Um, whether or not it is <laughs> aromatic or not. <laughs> that's, that's something for the researchers, isn't uh, it? Yes, 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 yes absolutely. You've got your research, and I'm going to have some research now. I shall investigate the sap. Thank you yes. very much. 
That's very good. It's also the first time we've had the expression said sap on the show. <laughs> I like so, it. You're welcome. I, yeah, Thank particularly, you. Well, I think we can safely say that that's another Bible conspiracy theory itself blown away. <laughs> Thank you. And with that, Diana, perhaps you could bless us with your spiritual pearl of wisdom. It's a spiritual pearl of wisdom. One of the things that's always struck me, um, the analogy, the sporting analogies, you know, running the race and all that kind of trilla, and I, I always have loved sport and participated in it, is in the letter to Timothy about running the race, it's just a finish the race, not of one. And that finishing is all that God asks of us is to be obedient and focused and continue to run the race. And the part of the reason of thinking about this is um, there was a, I think it was a lady from Norway who was a shot putter or, or something. And one of the Scandinavian countries had to field a woman in the hurdles or else they would have lost points, probably the Commonwealth, not the Commonwealth Games, the European games and so this shot putter or she looked like a shot putter she volunteered to run the hurdles but of course she can't run at all and but she finished the race you know she she stepped over each hurdle in turn and she finished the race she didn't win she never was going to run win but she did her very very best with what she was given and it was it's that finishing of the race doing the very best with what we're given and yes, focusing on the finishing line, as the letter encourages us to focus on the finishing line. So that's we stay in lane. Um, it's not so that we're going to win. You don't give up once somebody else seems to cross it first. So that keeping on, keeping on and just being faithful to what God's called us to. It's a Thank you very much for that, Diana. And that just leaves us with one final, if somewhat underwhelming, spectacle on our tour, namely... Simon's Random Question. Now, Simon, I was rather hopeful that you might tell us that you haven't got one of your questions this week. I would never dream of letting you down like that, Ian, would I? Trust me, I wouldn't be at all disappointed. <laughs> No, really, we couldn't possibly have a show without a random question. And Diana, my random question for you is this. Dolly Parton or Stevie Wonder? Oh, sorry, I've missed a bit out. Yeah. Oh, I haven't done that for a while. Diana, my full question for you is this. If you were required as part of your end of office celebrations mm -hmm. to perform a karaoke duet in front of the entire General Synod, would you rather perform alongside Dolly Parton or Stevie Wonder? Yes. This is tricky because I am very proud of the fact that I have never, ever been on stage when there's been an audience in the house. Oh, wow. Well, and right. um, so... <laughs> Which must have I taken some achieving, given... It did, because yeah. we, yeah. we, 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 um, we set all the equipment on fire at the Wimbledon Playhouse uh, by some jiggery pokery, but Gosh. I did not go on stage to fix my equipment. The stage manager did that. So, <laughs> in which case, I would... Um, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I really wouldn't. I really wouldn't <laughs> do it. I would do anything necessary, but I, I would, I would, I, I won't do it. I'm not meatloaf, but I won't do that. <laughs> so no, I'll do the sound. Okay. So yeah. if you had to delegate somebody, <laughs> Stevie <laughs> Wonder. Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder. Yes. Stevie Wonder. Yeah, yeah. you'd have a lot. Mind you, either of them. I mean, they're both brilliant. Aren't they, they, are brilliant. they are both yeah. brilliant. Stevie yeah. Wonder's just more my thing than Donald. Yes. Parker. Yes. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Me too. Mm. But uh, they both yeah. got a great catalogue. But uh, mm. so that's a great shame. So you don't think, any, regardless of the abs, the probable absence of Dolly Parton and Stevie Wonder <laughs> from that particular meeting at the Synod, it's you never know. But um, so you, you wouldn't be tempted to. Never. You don't think a, a karaoke is going to feature in your never. In your goodbye <laughs> celebrations? No, not at all. That's very impressive. Never. Yeah. No. Well, is it now a big thing that you can't go on the stage? No, 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 I just don't like it. Just don't right. like it. Yeah. I don't like it. And the advantage of being so ancient is that I can say what I'm not going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yes. Well, very good. Very good. Well, Simon, it's good to know that you're still helping us solve some of life's most important dilemmas. <laughs> but in any case, that was... And so, Dino, we come, you will no doubt be delighted to know, to the end of our little outing. It's been so much fun chatting with you. Thank you for having us, and thank you for being on the show. Thank you very much. I think I'm probably just about survived. <laughs> and dear listeners, thank you for being with us. If you've enjoyed listening, why not subscribe to the show wherever you listen so that you don't miss out on upcoming Take a Pew fun. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or X. TikTok, and now even on threads. When will the proliferation of social media ever stop, I ask myself. And that just leaves us with the sad news that that was, in fact, the final episode of season three of the Take A Pew podcast. We'll be taking a teeny little break, but fear not, because before you know it, Simon and I will be back to bring you plenty more fun, faith and flights of fancy in a brand new season, which we are planning to call season four. <laughs> So keep your eyes and ears open for that. But in the meantime, it's Toodle Pip from me. And Tatty Bye from me. Join us again next season as we take a pew. Take a pew.